pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy upon us, Lord Jesus. And Lord, you're such an amazing Father, God, Savior. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, this morning that you would continue, Lord, to, to pour out your spirit, Lord, as we dive into your word. And Father, I trust that the soil of our hearts have been ready to receive the very seed of your word. And Father, I decrease that you would increase, empty myself of myself, so fill me with yourself. That everything that I say and do, every thought that enters my mind would be of you and not of me. We praise in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. If you have your Bibles or Bible app, turn to 1 John, the Epistle John, not the Gospel John, but the Epistle John, 1 John uh, chapter 2, verses 7 through 11 is today's text. Again, that's 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. We're now in part four of our series, Authentic. Say authentic. And before we even dive into the text, as always, I want to do a quick review from last week's text, which was verses 1 through 6 of this chapter, chapter 2. And I gave you three points. And you might remember the points. The first point of last week's text was our sin. Say that. That's in verse 1a in John's point here is not that we would be sinless. That's not going to happen. His point here is to move us away from sin, and he wants us to make it our aim not to sin. The second point was our Savior. Say that. Our Savior. That's in verses 1b through verse 2. And he says when we sin, our situation is not hopeless. Good place to say amen. Because of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is our Advocate, say advocate. He speaks to the Father in our defense. He's also the righteous one and that he alone is qualified to present our case before the Father because he is without sin, right? And he has a perfect standing in the courts of heaven. And he is, Jesus is the atoning sacrifice, propitiation uh, for our sins. He doesn't offer a sacrifice like the high priest. He is, say is, he is the sacrifice. He's not the propitiator, he's a propitiation. The third point was our surety, say that. Our surety, verses 3 through 6, and John makes it clear how we can be sure that you and I, that we belong to God, that we're true, genuine, authentic children of God, that we're truly saved. And he addresses the allegiance or commitment of believers that our relationship with God or lack thereof will be evident evident in our lives, that if we truly know God, if we do, friends, truly been saved, then our lives should resemble the life of Christ. Amen? This now brings us to today's text, and the title of my message is Authentic Love. Say that. In today's text, John continues in his theme of what it means to be a real, genuine, authentic Christian. Now, last week's text, he gave us a moral test, a moral test. You know, have our lives been changed by the gospel? It's that moral test, right? Uh, is there a true change in our behavior in regards to sin? Are we living in obedience to God's word? Are we walking and living as Christ walked and as Christ lived? And you see, there should be a radical transformation, say, say radical transformation, in our lives, evidence, proof that we are truly saved. And ask ourselves a question, did Jesus change our lives? Did he? Did he change our lives? Did he profoundly, fundamentally, internally, and eternally change us? Well, in today's text, John gives us the relational test, a relational test. 
It's a test that, that deals with our relationship with one another. In context, because context is important, right? Right? In context, it's our relationship with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. If you got it, say got it. And John's going to ask the question and hoping to get the answer, do we love one another? Do we love our brothers and sisters in Christ? And you see, John understands that love is a test, but it also serves as evidence that we have a right relationship with the living God. Now remember, John made it very clear that when we are walking in the light, say walking in the light, we have fellowship with God, right? And what that does, it gives evidence that we belong to Him. So if we're walking in the light, which gives evidence that you and I belong to God, then the outflow of that, the outflow of that should be walking in love. You got it? I'm going to say it again. If we're walking in the light, which gives evidence that you and I belong to God, then the outflow of that Right? Should be, we should be walking in what? In love. In love. Loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, having a deep and sincere love for them, for one another. Now, if you're saved, say amen. Listen, it's not just something that you and I say to each other. Hey, you know, I love you, bro. I love you, man. I love you, sis. It's, it's not some phrase that you and I just throw around or throw out there. It's not just words that we're saying. Rather, it's loyalty, and, and you got to get this, it's loyalty in fellowship. Everyone say that. Loyalty in fellowship. Loyalty in fellowship in that we, we love being with each other. We, we love ministering to each other. We love praying for each other. We love encouraging each other. We love helping each other. A love that causes us to look beyond ourselves and on to the needs of others. It's a love that is expressed in, in our actions, in our attitudes, and also in our affections. In 1984, uh, Tina Turner had a hit song from her album, Private Dancer, called What's Love Got to Do With It? Well, the Bible tells us that love has everything to do with it. Amen? Uh, three points from today's text. If you're ready, say yes. Number one is this, the command. Everyone say that. The command. Write that down. We'll look at verse 7. The command. Write that down. Verse 7. And John says, dear friends. Now, I want to stop there. And the King James Bible renders it as brethren. The New American Standard Bible, I love the way that it renders this. It says, beloved. Say, beloved. And I believe that that's the right translation. In the Greek, the word beloved is agapetoi. Say that. Agapetoi, it means those who are loved. And in today's uh, culture, the word beloved or agapetoi has lost its meaning. And it seems like a distant religious word, but it, it was a word used of affection at relationship, a, a term of endear endearment, if you will. Now, now, the reason why I'm pointing this out is because this is the first of six times that John uses the word beloved. Now listen, John is writing to a group of people who he cares deeply about. He's got a pastor's heart, a father's heart, and his love for them reeks deep affection. Deep affection. And you see, there's no better way to begin to talk about loving the brethren, loving the brethren, than by addressing them as beloved. 
by addressing them as those who I deeply love. And what John is doing, and I love this, is he's modeling the message by beginning with beloved. Got it? Excuse me. So here we go. I am not, he says, dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Now I'm going to stop there. Say heard. Heard. This old command is the message you have heard. This reminds us that Christianity is primarily to be heard. The message is to be heard, meaning that we are to sit under the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Can I get an amen? This is why it's so important for you and I to be in church that preaches and teaches the Word of God. Not opinion, not philosophy, not politics, but the inerrant, infallible Word of God. I'm writing, excuse me, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one which you have had since the beginning. This old command is a message you have heard. Look at verse 8. Yet I am writing you a new command. Someone stop there. So, so what is it, John? What is it? I mean, is it an old command or is it a new command? And, and what command is it? Well, well, in context, because context is important, right? In context, the command has to do with with love. Say love. With, with loving one another. Prove it. Jump, jump to verse 10a. Jump to verse 10a. Whoever loves his brother or sister lives in the light. So in context, this has to do with, with love. Say, say love. So, so this begs the question, how is this command an old one and a new one? Well, let me explain. It's an old command because it came from the Old Testament. In fact, the Jews knew this command very, very well. In fact, Leviticus, write it down, chapter 19, verse 18, Leviticus 19, 18. It says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. Everyone say that. Love your neighbor as yourself. It says, I am the Lord. So it was an old command in that it was from the Old Testament, but it's a new command that in that Jesus gave a brand, gave it a brand new standard. He added a new dimension to it. Now, he doesn't introduce a new subject. Jesus doesn't do that. But he continues the matter of his love command, of this love command, and wants us to look at it in a new and different way. You guys with me so far? <coughs> Excuse me. Follow me. The old command says to love your neighbor, what? As yourself, right? Well, listen to what Jesus said during the Last Supper with his disciples, and that's in John chapter 13. Write that down. I'll read it to you, verses 34 through 35. John 13, 34 through 35. And Jesus says this, A new command I give you. Love one another as I loved you, so you must love one another. And then he says this, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you what? love one another. And you got that, say got it. You see, John wants us to understand love, excuse me, in a whole whole new way because of Jesus. And Jesus opens up a whole new understanding of love. This command to love, listen now, is new in depth and also new in example. Thank you. 
It's in Jesus. Say it's in Jesus. Jesus has fleshed out, fleshed out what this love looks like. He is a perfect example of love by his life and by his death. So it is in this way that it's a new command, new in depth and new in demonstration. Now, you will also notice that Jesus makes it very clear that our love for one another is our greatest testimony to the world. Yeah? That we are Christians, right? Testimony that we are Christians and that we belong to him. So going back to John 13, 34, and 35, a new command, I give you, love one another as I loved you, Jesus said. So you must what? Love one another. By this, say by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. How? If you what? Love one another. Now I want you to notice, Jesus didn't say everyone will know that you are my disciples by your church programs, by church growth, by your denomination, by church slogans, by your talents, your gifts, and abilities. No, he didn't say that. He said, by your love for one another. That's it. That's it. That's the focus here in our text. And we are commanded to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, are we to love unbelievers? Absolutely. Of course. Amen? No question about that. But the priority is to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because it has an evangelistic thrust to it. Follow me here. When unbelievers see how we love one another, it has an effect on them. Right? In that it authenticates it demonstrates the reality of what we say we believe. Got it? So, so, so here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? Love is a badge of our discipleship. It is. Love is a badge of our discipleship. It's the distinguishing mark that we belong to Jesus. Distinguishing mark that you and I love others, right? Love one another, those who belong to him. And by the way, loving others is not some warm, fuzzy feeling. Got it? It's a command. It's a choice, right? It's an act of the will. It's an act of obedience. Write this down, chapter 4, verse 21 of 1 John, chapter 4, verse 21. And John writes, and he has given us this command. Here's the command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother or sister. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 3 of 1 John. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 3 of 1 John. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God to obey his commands. And his command is what? To love one another. And listen, church, when Jesus said to love one another as I have loved you, he didn't suggest it, didn't say think about it, didn't, didn't say when we feel like it or when things are going our way. No, he commands us to do this, right? It's not based on feelings. And since it's a command, it means we do it no matter what. It's not based on a feeling. It's based on fact and truth. It involves our obedience to Jesus. And that means even loving our fellow brothers and sisters who are a challenge to love. Yeah? And I want to tell you, hey, it's easy 
to love those who are easy to love. Real easy, right? It's easy to love those who are easy to connect with. It's easy to love those who look and talk like us, right? Listen, the mark of true, authentic Christianity is choosing to love our brothers and sisters in Christ who are challenged to love, right? To love them even when the feelings and emotions aren't there. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, he says, if you love me, do you love him? If you love me, you will obey what I command. And Jesus commands us to love one another, to love our brothers and sisters in him. Now listen, we cannot love others like this, like Jesus loves, if we have not been saved, if we have not been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Which brings us right into verse 8. Stay with me now. Okay? It's truth, the truth of what? Love is seen in him, that's Jesus. So it brings us right to verse 8. It's truth, the truth of love is seen in him, Jesus. Now listen, if we want to see what love looks like, look at who? Jesus. He demonstrated love with perfect humility, perfect servanthood, perfect self-denial, and perfect sacrifice. So he says it's truth, which is the truth of love, is seen in him, Jesus. And you, you, right? So that's believers. So there's an inseparable connection there. Got it? If we're saved, this love that's in Jesus will be in us. Now, obviously, we can't love to the extent that Jesus loved. Jesus loved perfectly. He has perfect love. We cannot love others perfectly like he can. Yet, if we are truly saved, there'll be the reality of the same kind of humility that Jesus had, right? Servanthood, self-denial, and self-sacrifice, right? That should be in us, and it will be growing in us as we grow closer and closer with Jesus. And he says this, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. So what, what this is saying is that the light, as it's shining into the darkness, wherever that light is shining, that light will always overpower the darkness. Got it? So, so who's the true light? Jesus, Right? John 8, 12, John 8, 12, write that down, John 8, 12. Jesus is the light of the, what? World. So go back to the text. The true light is already shining. So question, how is it shining? Think about it. How is it shining? It's shining in and through us. Got it? And this is speaking of the redeemed life, those who are saved. Now, if you're saved, say amen. We have left the kingdom of darkness, right? And went right into the kingdom of light. We have left the kingdom of death and right into the kingdom of life. We have turned from darkness and have embraced the light that's Jesus, the light that lives in us and shines through us. You see, once we get saved, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you guys know this, right, takes up residence in our life, and it's only then that we will begin to understand what this true love is. Only then we will begin to love others the way that Christ loves. So, so how, how do we know that the Holy Spirit is working in our life? Well, I want you to write this down, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. 
And there it says the fruit of the Spirit. Not fruits, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Say love. Then he says joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what? Self-control. Then he says this, against such things there is no law. In other words, no law or human effort can produce this kind of fruit. Now, you will notice as I read that to you, Galatians, that there are nine manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit. One fruit, nine manifestations. You guys with me? So, what's the first manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit? Come on, say it. Love. Why love? Why love? I'll tell you why. Because all of the other eight manifestations are an outgrowth of love. It all begins with love. That's how important love is. Now, before we move on to the next point, I want to tell you what loving others doesn't mean, okay, because this is very important. Loving others doesn't mean we need to like them. You guys with me? I mean, we're, we're honest. There are some believers, brothers and sisters, we just don't like. just don't like. It could be a personality issue. I don't know. And that's okay. Okay, we, we, we don't need to like them but we are commanded to love them, right? And by the way, if we wait until we like them, we may never love them. You guys with me? So, so it doesn't mean we got to like each other, okay? And we're all dysfunctional, let's just be honest, right? And thank God we're saved, right? We don't got to like each other, but we got to love each other. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ. So, so loving others doesn't mean we need to like them. Another thing, too, loving others doesn't mean there will never be disagreements. We're going to disagree. Are you guys with me? We're not going to always agree with, with each other, okay? But we must love each other. Now, we've got to agree on the essentials of the doctrines of Christ. We've got to agree on that. We can't disagree on that, right? But there are other things that we will disagree about, and that's okay. And, and the, finally here, loving others doesn't mean, get this now, ignoring sinful behavior. You guys got that? It doesn't mean ignoring sinful behavior. Some people think that loving someone means never, con- never confronting someone when they're doing wrong. Well, question, did, did Jesus love people? Absolutely, yes, he did, Right? Well, guess what? He confronted them about their sin because he loved them, right? And he did it because what? He loved them. He wanted them to what? Repent of their sins. He wanted them to get it right. So it doesn't mean that we sit there and ignore our brothers and sisters' sin. No, that we lovingly come to them and say, hey, get it right, man. I love you. Get it right. Amen? Now, Now, in the remaining verses of our text, John draws a dramatic contrast between love that is false and love that is true. Those who walk in darkness, in other words, practice hatred, and those who walk in the light, those who practice love. That brings us right into point number two. Here we go. Point number two is the counterfeit. Say that. We see the command, right? Now we see the counterfeit. And John confronts the counterfeit. Look at verse 9 with me. Anyone who claims to be in the light. But here's a contrast. Okay? And hates his brother, but hates his brother and sister is still in the what? Do you guys get that? Let's read that again. Anyone who claims, who claims, because John talked about this person a lot, right? 
in previous chapters. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother and sisters is still what? In the darkness. And, and again, as I said, John already spoke about this person. This is the person who is all talk, no walk, all clouds, no rain. All they do is say, I love God. You know, I love God. I love Jesus. I read his word. I pray. You know, I go to church. But there's no reality and there's no evidence in how they live. They continue to walk in the darkness. And this person's claim doesn't match their conduct. There's no evidence or, trans- or, there's no evidence or a transformed life. This person is self-absorbed. They're lost. And you see, John makes it very clear that, the, that to be in the darkness is to be outside, say outside of Christ. To be in the darkness means you're in the kingdom of darkness. You don't, you don't have the light in you. And John is saying it's, it means nothing. It's meaningless to say that you're in the light, yet that you live in darkness. That's what he's saying. You're saved, say Amen. We, we cannot walk in the light of Christ. In other words, being born of him and hate our fellow brothers and sisters. Are you with me? You see, light and darkness cannot inhabit the same space just as love and hate cannot inhabit the same heart. Got it? Now, I want to say this. As believers, we, we can be angry with other believers. It happens. We get angry with them, disappointed in their actions, and, and even grow bitter if we're not careful, but we cannot hate them. Cannot hate them. In fact, if we honestly harbor hatred in our heart, we have a major spiritual issue. We cannot walk in the light of Christ and hate others because hatred opposes the very nature of who Christ is. And if hate does exist, if we call ourselves believers, and if hate does exist, there's something wrong. I'm going to be straight up. If hate exists in our life, conversion is needed. <laughs> you need to get it right. Amen? So we saw the command, love one another, right? Christ says, as I have loved you. We see the counterfeit, the one who's walking in darkness, and this brings us to number three, is the converted. Say that. Write that down, verse 10a, the converted. And he says this, whoever loves, say loves, whoever loves, again, here we go, present tense, there's an ongoing lifestyle, right, practice of showing love. Whoever loves his brother, speaking of another believer, lives in the light. You guys got that? The person who loves their fellow brother and sister in Christ abides in the light. The light of Christ has has filled their soul, friends, and now they possess Christ's love and show that love to others. It's evident. And you see, the person is giving true testimony to their faith, that they're genuine believers. They're, They're practicing what they profess. There's no conflict between what they claim and their conduct. And what it simply does, it affirms their relationship with Jesus. So here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? Living in the light requires living in love. Bottom line. It does, right? Living in the light requires living in in love. I mean, if our lives have been changed by Jesus, then we will live in love. No question, right? Love is evidence of a change of heart. 
And it's, it's, it's evident in our, in our attitudes. It's, it's evident in our actions. It's evident in our affections. It's evident in our life. Our life. Verse 10b. And there's nothing in him to make him or her stumble. You get that? Now, this verse could mean two things. First of all, it could mean that this, is, that this believer has no hypocrisy in his or her life and, and, and that would cause another believer to stumble. Uh, the believer is, is setting a worthy, a worthy example before other believers. Uh, they're not doing things that would cause another believer to stumble. It, it could mean that. And by the way, if you're saved, say amen. How you and I live our life doesn't just affect us. It affects everyone else. It affects everyone around us, right? So it could mean that this believer has no hypocrisy in their life. They're living a life worthy of the calling, worthy of what, what they're calling, their salvation. Second of all, this verse could mean that the believer who walks in the light won't stumble because the light illuminates their path. Got it? In fact, write this down, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light, right, to my path. Psalm 119, 111. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So this is why it's so important to be in the word. Amen? So important to read your word, know the word, let the word fill your heart so it will illuminate your path. So you will not stumble or cause anyone else to stumble. Amen? Verse 11. And John kind of, kind of comes back to the counterfeit believer. He says, again, he emphasizes this, the sobering truth regarding hatred. He says this, but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in darkness. He does not know where he is going because what? The darkness has blinded him. Now, I want you to notice, notice the three-pointed facts about this person. If you read the text, they're in the darkness. They're walking in the darkness, and they are blindly lost. Got it? Listen, the person who hates his fellow Christian has never, say never, come to the light. That's what John's saying. Never come to light at all. This person continues to live in the darkness, which gives evidence that they are outside of God's kingdom. They're spiritually blind. They're spiritually lost. And this person cannot see who God is. This person cannot see the love that God demonstrates in Jesus. They cannot see their own sin. They cannot see their own lost condition. They cannot see their need for salvation. They are oblivious to all these spiritual realities because, friends, they are in the what? Darkness. They're blind and cannot see the light. John Piper said this, Hate is the evidence of blindness to the light of God. Love is the evidence that sight has been given to the blind. You see, the bottom line, it's, this is like Christianity 101, friends. The bottom line of today's text is that there should be an ever-increasing love in our life that is demonstrated towards other brothers and sisters in Christ. If, if you and I are not growing in love for them, there's something wrong. There must be an ever-increasing love for those 
we call brothers and sisters in Christ, right? So, so let's, let's wrap this up here, but now I want to do by showing us five ways to live out authentic love for others, okay? You guys ready? Say yes. Come on. Here we go. Open our eyes. Open our eyes. Say that. And, and what I mean by that is that you and I, we need to take the focus off of ourselves, huh, and see the needs of those around us. Loving others is being others-focused, not self-focused, not self-centered, others-focused. Open your eyes. Look around. Just look around and see your brothers and sisters and see their need. Not just focus on ourselves. Open our eyes. The next one is this. Open our ears. Be good listeners. Yeah? Listen more than we talk. Right? Listen to what others are saying. Keep our story shorter. Right? And allow others to talk. And when you and I, when we do this, friends, we will learn a lot about how we can step into their life and be a blessing and be a support to them. Yeah? So open our eyes, open our ears. How about this? Open our hands. Open our hands. Give what we have to help our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah? Have open hands to meet the needs of those who are in need. Or how about this? Just maybe it's just to hold their hand. Maybe there's a brother or sister who's hurting. You see, just go there and just grab and just hold their hand. Open our hands. You see, it's being actively involved in communicating our love for our fellow brothers and sisters beyond words. It's, it's love in action. Let me ask you, are you, are you is your love in action or are you missing in action? Huh? You know, don't just say these things, but put, put, put action to it. Open our eyes, our ears, our hands. Open our mouth. Say that. Open our mouth. Speak encouraging words. Affirm. Build others up. Listen. Don't let our conversations be an infomercial about ourselves. All right? All right? Some folks just like to talk about themselves. Right? Pray for them. Affirm them. Brag about them. Love them. Finally, open our heart. Open our heart. Have a deep compassion for our fellow believers. Listen, be sensitive and tender-hearted and enter into their burden. And what I mean by that, get under that burden with them. And as you get under that burden with them, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And you see someone, a brother or sister who's crying, who's weeping, who's going through it, you, you go right by them and you just cry with them. Don't say a word. Just cry with them. And if you see a brother who's rejoicing in something that something awesome happened, if you go and rejoice with them, don't, don't be all, you know, hey, jealous about it. But go and just rejoice with them. Amen? Open our eyes, our ears, our hands, our mouth, our heart. Amen?
Let's all stand. Father, we thank you.